Hi, I'm Thomas the Sasquatch Hunter, and I took a big left in the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. Straight out of your cupboard, close to the mac and cheese, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin and I am your host. Joining me for a skeleton crew version of the show is the nutritiously smooth peanut butter to my jelly, Nancy. Oh, wow. What an introduction, huh? What a sandwich we'd make. <laughs> and we got a great friend to the show that's here for the first time, Regina Dalton. How are you doing, dear? Very well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for, well, sort of inviting me. I guess I sort of invited myself. That's, that's okay. <laughs> You know, we, we, we like to recommend that, you know, people come on in and just join us. Uh, we were supposed to have a show today about LGBT issues. Unfortunately, this is summertime and everybody was, you know, having and making different plans. And unfortunately, our guests had to back out. So today, I think we're just going to have a show. And I'm just going to call it, you know what, Kevin, Nancy and Regina. We're just going to call it that and we're just going to have fun doing that. It's a Pope. This happens. Yeah, not often. Not often, but it does. I should have asked, how long does it normally go? Yeah, usually about an hour. Oh, okay. okay. Are you okay for Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Shasta is not necessarily going to be uh, awake the entire time. New dog. Okay. <laughs> you guys are dog ladies now. <laughs> yeah, so like I was saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a nice, relaxing show today, so we're just going to put on some beach music because it is summertime. We're going to dip our toes in the in the water and just talk about a whole bunch of things that have been going on. Regina, I'm so glad you're here. You and I actually go back quite a while now. I might have met you through Lynn. I'm not sure. It was one of the environmental issues. We met at a meeting of the Green Party. Oh, was it? When okay. Karen was still in town. Oh, Okay. Uh, Karen Durant. Yes, yes. Was still in town. And we yes. met at her place. And that's several years now. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Because they've been gone now for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was kind of curious about the what was going on. And since there was nothing going on, you know, from liberals or, I'm not going to go into the conservative thing, that's for sure, <laughs> or NDP, but there was this meeting about the Greens. I said, oh, I'll go check it out. And, you know, some really interesting people, including... Regina here. Thank you. Oh, I thought Karen was an excellent candidate, and I learned a bit about the behind-the-scenes way of, of a party running, and I really uh, hope that we can see the Greens go forward. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's starting to happen, slowly but surely, and uh, I, like I said, I truly admire it, the fact that you got so many letters to the editor published in this rag of a newspaper they have around here. <laughs> I don't know what's your secret, but you'll have to tell me, because they don't publish nearly as many as mine. Well, what I enjoy is occasionally when people tell me why they like my letters. And uh, one retired principal had said it's because I ask the questions that need to be asked. And another situation was, uh, interestingly enough, when I was tr in line to vote, and it was one of the people there that said that uh, she felt I was informing people about things that they would have no other way of finding out. And I guess that's because I really enjoy all sorts of media. I enjoy uh, watching the news on TV. I enjoy uh, 
radio, of course. Watching the news on TV, you just age yourself. Nobody does that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I have got to the point where um, I will read a newspaper online. I always said that I'd prefer to do it with a newspaper, anything that I could drop the coffee on, but I just don't take the coffee to the computer. So anyway, it comes to me. In fact, it's amazing because many DVDs that are fictional still give me oodles and oodles of, of, of fun comments, at least, to use. As she says with a twinkle in her eye. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, the, the wonderful thing about Regina's writing is they're incredibly well written, and she brings in so many different aspects of a particular um, issue or a, a story of, of some kind. So they're generally um, pro or, or con, but always balanced. You know, she never goes into something with just an outright point of view. They're backed up, you know, with with evidence and and with uh, with, with why she she came to that conclusion. And she also holds a lot of p- politicians' feet to the fire. Yes, you know? and we need more of that. We got a lot of. If you take the socks off a lot of local politicians, <laughs> you're going to find some burned toes. Let me tell you, burned toe and you lots bet. of fungus. Well, <laughs> thank you, you two, because uh, I thought this might be difficult, but this is loads of fun getting no. accolades. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, this is you know you know people come here and they're super nervous for like the thir- the first thirty seconds. I'm like, oh my god, this is radio. I said, no, relax. This is just like having a conversation between friends. We're just putting microphones in front of our mouth. That's all there is to it. Nancy, my dear, are you ready to go? Um, I almost forgot. We were having so yeah. much fun chatting. I almost forgot. You I do had have a your little, segment. Yeah, I got a little segment to do here. Let's okay. set you up. Off we go. The beach music for the segment? That would be great. <laughs> okay, here we go. This day in history, which is, as we know, a roundup of those events and people that altered and illuminated the days between July 11th and the 17th, which is today. So starting with July the 11th, it was World Population Day. So I'm hoping you're celebrating the fact that we're still populated on Earth at least. Something something to be happy about today. And in 1976, on July the 11th, one of the loopiest events ever to be held in Atlanta, Georgia, and that's saying a lot about Atlanta. Ted Turner, which at that time, who at that time was the new owner of the Atlantic Braves, um, had a PR guy named Bob Hope. Not the comedian Bob Hope, but this guy just happened to be named Bob Hope. So Bob, he and Bob Hope teamed up to promote attendance at the Braves games. So they cooked up this event called, are you ready for this? This may go to your DVDs thinking of, you know, really <laughs> neat things. Headlock and wedlock. <laughs> oh, this so, is like shotgun wedding part two? <laughs> I know. So prior to the game, 34 couples were married and paraded under a canopy of baseball bats at home plate. <laughs> Plus baseball, after all. Then the Braves unfortunately lost to the New York Mets, and they set up a wrestling um, ring in the infield. So Mr. Wrestling 2, Abdullah the Butcher, and four more matches were held in front of the remaining fans, who at this point have no idea were either streaming out (laughs) <laughs> or, or glued to their seats, just depending on what visual you wanna you wanna uh, bring up at that. So, point. so let me get this right. So, so somebody's having the, having the wedding list and, and, and the guests, 
and eventually somebody walks up and says, "What's your name?" Abdullah the Butcher. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> please go in. That's right. Side of the bride, obviously. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was like during that time, if you remember, car dealers and sports promoters were the ones that were doing the most outrageous. And so uh, Ted Turner decided he'd outrage. Is that can you outrage if something is sure? Outrageous? We'll make it a word. Does that work? But can you uh, just picturing that? You just it's hysterically funny. <laughs> anyway, that takes care of July the 11th. Um, July 12th is Pecan Pie Day. So how do you pronounce pecan? Are you a pecan or a pecan guy? Uh, well, I'd be a pecan. Are you a pecan or a pecan girl? Pecan. Pecan. Well, pecan. Oh, that's it. You're off the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We're already segregating into groups here. So on July 12th, this wonderful lady whose name was Signorina Maria Speltorini, I mean, she could make it on her name alone, right? She became the first woman ever to cross Niagara River Gorge on a tightrope. Picture this. First woman. The first woman. Miss Speltorini was a beautiful 23-year-old woman of Italian descent. Pictures of her, if you look her up, she really, she was gorgeous. You've never think that with the looks that she had that she'd actually be talented in any other in any other, other field so she made her debut on actually July 8th uh, in 1876 performing a successful crossing using um, a small wire 5.7 centimeters just north of the lower suspension bridge okay after the first success she um, proved herself equal to those tightrope walkers that had preceded her by performing some miraculous feats. And, and, and this is how she did it. On July 12, 1876, can you imagine a woman in 1876 doing this? I mean, it's mind-boggling. Anyway, she crossed wearing peach baskets strapped to her feet. Okay. Peach baskets strapped to her feet on the, on the wire. One week later, she crossed blindfolded. And then three days later, she crossed with her ankles and wrists handcuffed. Can you, I know. Can you imagine the confidence? Is she, she trying to fall? No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether she had a self-destructive gene oh, or wish or not. Myself. But she crossed a total of five times, the last cross being on July 26th. Then she faded into obscurity and was never heard of again. So I don't know, no one knows exactly what happened to her or what she did with the rest of her life, but, you know, whether she, she you know, used she it. She fell to, off the map. She probably fell. <laughs> and luckily, she didn't fall off the tightrope. <laughs> but just incredible. I mean, I think people really need to, to Google and, and see, you know, a little bit more about this woman. If you're just talking about it, you've got to really see what you look You know, like. whenever you do your segments of this day in history, I find that there's a lot of women out there that have done some pretty extraordinary things are. and are completely forgotten from history, and that's so unfair. It is, and a lot of them, it, it, not a lot, but in a fair number, men are given credit at the work that they did because they were considered to be the assistant or not as prominent yeah, or wouldn't have yeah. gotten the awards and stuff. So I think this is an opportunity to, to bring that about. Anytime we can do that, mm. you know, I'm happy to do it. July 14th is Bastille Day, as we all remember. And in 1798, uh, on July 14th, the U.S. Sedition Act was passed. 
And a lot of people don't really know the difference between sedition and treason, which is kind of interesting. So as a public service, I'm not going to give you the difference. So if anybody <laughs> asks you, I mean, with the American... Uh, um, I always thought it just meant you're leaving on good terms or you're not. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> but I think with the with the U.S. campaign coming up, I think the terms sedition and treason are, <laughs> are bound to come up. So thought here Texas talking about sedition again. Yeah, here we go. Sedition is overt conduct, such as speech and organization, that tends toward insurrection against the established order, but doesn't amount to treason. Treasonous conduct consists of levying war against the United States or of adhering to its enemies, giving them aid and comfort. So that's the big big difference. They're both active, but one is, is giving aid uh, to to the enemy, and the other one is leading you toward mm. uh, toward warfare. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting because I think people use those terms interchangeably. Um, I hear people saying, "Well, that's a treasonous act." Well, that wasn't. It was seditious. But now we know the difference. Um, July fifteenth is an interesting um, uh, holiday, and I am absolutely going to mess this up. But in Kiribati. It's Elderly Men's Day, which I think is great. Who knew? Yeah, it was an Elderly Men's Day. It's one of those days that you cannot step on any lawns. There you go. <laughs> Get and off my lawn! That's right. In uh, July 15th, 1834, the Spanish Inquisition was officially disbanded after 356 years. Many, many lives. <laughs> and many lives. Right. The Tribunal of the Holy Office of the Inquisition, commonly known as the Spanish Inquisition, was established in 1480 by the Catholic monarchs um, of uh, Ferdinand II of Aragon and Isabella of Castile, but then it took 356 years later to get it finally wiped off and the, and the activity actually off off the books. That's a long run. Yeah, too long of a run. Way too long. Yeah. July 16th is National Snake Day. National State National Who would But there's a National Everything Day We could have a National Day We could have a National Left at the Valley Day There's no reason Well I don't know can. If it'd be a national thing <laughs> Might be a Why regional not? one I mean who would Who would object Oh Who would know <laughs> <laughs> Anyway July 16th In 1969 uh, The crew of Apollo 11 Neil Armstrong Edwin Aldrin And Michael Collins Blasted off from Cape Kennedy On the first manned mission To the surface of the moon And Armstrong became uh, the, the first one to step onto the lunar surface Six hours later On July 21st And Armstrong spent about two and a half hours outside the spacecraft, and he said, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events, as many as I can work in, and people (laughs) that make up this day in history. Thank you so much, Nancy, for another entertaining and informative segment. Do we want to talk about uh, getting to a subject right away, or let's no, let's go to commercial first. We'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. 
we invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details at bchumanist.ca. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. Tired of being misunderstood or misrepresented? As a public service, the crew from Left at the Valley proudly presents Know Your Fallacies with Mark Cunningham. Good evening. I've taken time out of my busy schedule to briefly explain to you, the free thinker, the finer points of logical fallacies. With some practice, attention to detail, and of course, my guidance you too will easily disarm any frothy, rough-hewn moldwops who dares cross linguistic blades with you. Today, let's look at another attack a gleeking harpy would use. Argumentum ad temprantium, also known as the middle ground. This false compromise is a logical fallacy in which a position between two extreme points of view is promoted as the correct position. It is considered a fallacy because the quality of being a compromise has nothing to do with the veracity of claims. A compromise may itself have implications which require scrutiny. Holly says that her child's autism was caused by vaccination. Her scientifically well-read brother Jim says that this has been debunked and proven false. Their friend Alice then suggested that vaccination must cause some autism but not all autism. As admirable as Alice's effort to compromise is, she is clearly counterfactual. There is no middle ground to truth or facts. Be on the lookout for this emotional appeal to make peace from your opponent. It is often a ploy to scrape credibility for their position and redirect truth closer to his bumbling views. But truth is truth and no amount of compromise can dilute the veracity of facts. Should you find yourself in this position, do not let your sense of camaraderie lure you into accepting made-up facts as a peace offering. Keep your eye on the bigger picture, and if your infectious flirt gill of an opponent is intellectually honest, he or she will thank you in the long run. Now, go forth, my friend, and remember, knowledge is power, and the one who knows wins. Until next time. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. 
You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. And we're back. Yeah, so today I guess it's anything goes. So we'll talk about a whole bunch of things. And the first thing I guess we should really start talking about is uh, yesterday was uh, Pride Day here in Abbotsford. It was, and it was a great, great Pride I, I know Day. You, I know you went there. Did you go, Regina? Yes, yeah? yes. I, so I missed both of you guys. It was. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the first one I went, I went to the uh, the old Mill Lake Park, the first one around. Then I realized it wasn't there. I was like, what the hell? So then I started driving around. And then when I looked up online, I realized it was at Jubilee Park. So, well, you had plenty of time to get there. It went from eleven to four, and I think yeah. you were there in plenty of time. Oh yeah, I was there plenty yeah, of time. You know, and probably better that you got there a little later because I think when Regina and I left, the crowd, you know, hadn't really built up to a peak yet. So you may have gotten there at a, at a much better time. Lots of colorful character. What was your impression of uh, the event? Well, I think it was a lot better location. Uh, this is just my opinion than uh, at, around Mill Lake. I partly because I'm much closer and, and can just drop by and of course the weather was great the planning that the folk put into it I thought was really good really good food and uh, I can tell you uh, wait a minute uh, food I didn't even see food oh you didn't you should no. the, the hamburgers and I found out why they were so good uh, is that one of the people there apparently said that they they soaked the burgers in the au jus that you'd put like on roast beef that's why they were so incredibly moist so uh, unfortunately, that's one of the reasons I like to go to these things because of the food. <laughs> <laughs> this girl can chow down at an event. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, they had a lemonade stand and they had uh, the hamburgers and and Smokies and. Oh, gee, I, must, had, I must have went on the wrong side because it, I saw I saw you know a couple of little businesses and you know advocacy groups. Well, and this all is that, to the right it. of the of the stage, the main stage. You were at the left. Probably. I was on the left. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, that's right. Oh, okay. Well, it seemed to be a. a Nice little event, and uh, of course, I had fun because I got there, arrived on my bike, and all that, and everything was fine. And I met uh, Corey, which which is yes. a friend, a yes. common friend that we have, who also helps organize this, and also the editor of the What's All magazine around here. And then I spotted my quote unquote prey. <laughs> I saw three, four Christians there protesting the Pride Day, and you know, I will say. I'm quite pleased to see that in Abbotsford, there was only three, four people protesting us. Which is great. Yeah. Because yeah, there were so many more people supporting. Worse. Yeah. Well, maybe it was too close to downtown. If it was further outside of town, maybe you'd have pitchforks and torches. And <laughs> <laughs> Possible. But I, I, I have a feeling, I don't know this for sure, I'm just going by the seat of my pants, but I think the protests are going to get less and less every year as the event becomes more a regular part of uh, the community, yeah. and because now yes. the city, the city puts it on its official calendar. They may not fly yes. the flag, but they do put it as a part of the official community events, which I think gives it uh, a, a credibility.
credibility and legitimacy that maybe people have been looking for. The yes. audience might not understand that comment you made about flying the flag because, you know, of course, some of our listeners are from around here, but some of our listeners are in the States and other parts of the, the world. Uh, you might want to elaborate. Last year, the um, City Hall decided that uh, to celebrate diversity in Abbotsford, they would fly the uh, pride flag. And they had a lot of um, support within City Hall, and they said they were going to fly the flag, and everything was hunky-dory. They put the flag up, and then they immediately got some blowback and some feedback. It was incredibly negative. And actually, people from the community, not that many, but there were a few that actually came to speak in, in front of City Council and said, no, no, this is the way of promoting a lifestyle that we object to. And um, there were other people that were in favor of it. And so council, to their credit, it really was a great meeting because the council said, we support diversity. We feel this is important. We feel that to uh, um, fly the flag... You know, you know, overcomes the struggle that a lot of people have had in trying to integrate into uh, into society and be accepted for who they are. And to a person on that council, they gave incredibly wonderful speeches in favor of the pride mm. flag. And then promptly decided they'd never do it again. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and said, no, no, we're only going to fly the flags now for different countries or special events. So they did their bit and then said, we're just not going to have any controversy. We did what we needed to do. And you can remember us forever, thank goodness, but we're, it's, got, it's done. Controversy <laughs> in Abbotsford, who would have thought? Huh? Inconceivable! <laughs> we, did, we did yesterday have... Um, people from uh, our city council. We did. And also a representation from both the Liberal and NDP uh, members of uh, the provincial government. Now, granted, it was only the Liberal uh, person who spoke, but he acknowledged that there were people from the NDP there. Oh, that's, that's nice. Yes. Yeah, we should cross that And then I, I really think everybody appreciated the people from the police who were there. So that was with their pride ties. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, ties, they were the tied. bow ties. I saw yeah, that. the yeah. bow ties. They had they had the like, rainbow colored bow ties. We've and I saw really, that. We've come a long yes. way in, in, and four in a years short short time because Nancy, uh, I'm sure you were with me the first pride yeah. parade. We walked you and I, uh, and uh, I remember sending a letter to the editor, one of the few letters they actually published, <laughs> and you know, and I said. No, it was congratulations, Abbotsford, for joining he the did. 21st century. Mm -hmm. And that sparked a lot of people writing to the editor. And, Gee, saying, I and you sent in photos as well, as I remember. Didn't I, you do some I photos? Don't know. I no, I, I don't think it's in photos. Okay. But either way, it's anyway. it, a lot of people. It was in the paper all the time for, for, for many, many weeks after that. Uh, and uh, now the, the opposition to it is dying with a whimper, you know? Last year, there was maybe a bit more. This year, we had three Christians, maybe four there. And, you know, next year, we might not have anybody. And I think it'll be bigger again. Uh, I do believe that it's a wonderful show of support. And the fact that there's many of the youth involved in this is, I think, very positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, there were some Christians who were marching. Yeah. It was a very small march, but they they did you know they did march. I think one of the most touching 
um, times of the event, at least the time that Regina and I were there, is that some of the youth, about four, uh, who were um, not members, but I guess they used the services, the youth services, got up and um, and told a little bit about their life story yes. and how disorienting their their uh, childhood has been and the struggle of trying to identify of one gender or another. And it was very, very touching to see these young people get up in front of the crowd and just bear their souls about the kind of pain that they went through until they found the group and yes. were able to, to find acceptance and, and be accepted within within themselves. And one of the young ladies, I think she was so, so brave. She started her talk off with, I'm sick. And she went into how she had some mental illness and how she's been fighting this all her life. And she said, last year when I tried this, I ran off the stage, so we'll see how this goes. And she, she managed, she got through the whole thing. She was extremely brave. And she ended the speech and she said, I'm sick, but I'm getting better. Oh, oh and she really a nice got, little personal victory. It, for it that, was, that and person, you know, it, you could just feel everybody's heart, you know, go out to her. And she just—I'm sorry, I miss that now. Well, I'm thinking, you know, that with all the hoopla of the Pride Parade, which was wonderful to me, that was the essence. That's why there's the yeah. there's a Pride and Regina, please, no, please note as a witness, as soon as, as soon as she said mental issues, she looked directly at me. <laughs> <laughs> Only to reflect myself in the yeah, yeah, eyes sure, of my sure. friend. <laughs> if you keep backing up, you'll end up in the speakers behind you. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> no, it was very nice, and with the weather cooperating, it was really pleasant. And we'll yeah, it wasn't forward. sunny, but it was gray, but it was, wasn't raining. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And next year, you hopefully get there early enough to get some food and hear the people speak. Yeah, well, you know, there, there were some speeches going, but you know what? Uh, to be quite honest, most of my time there, I ended up debating these three Christians. <laughs> Uh, and and Corey says, you know what? I knew this would work. It says, just unleash the atheists onto the Christians. And I spent. There was a guy there with like a like a like a six foot cross that was made out of out of some kind of wood, and you know he was carrying his cross and stuff like that. And ended up talking to them, and they wanted me to go to their church, of course, to feel the awe. And uh, of course, they were using, same, using the same platitudes that you always use, you know. Oh, well, you know, they, they, they carbon dated a tree that was a million years old. I said, well, first of all, you know, I know you're lying here because carbon dating doesn't go that far. But, you know, anyway, eventually, to long story short, by the time I was through with them, they actually left. You know, <laughs> we parted on good terms. And there wasn't a fight or anything like that, but they actually left. They moved a bit down, and then when they realized nobody was actually going to speak to them, they just kept on going and went to their church. At that but, point. That, but that was wonderful. I mean, a peaceful exchange of ideas. They yes. had a perfect right yes. to be there. Yes. They yeah. could have carried anything they want to as long as it's not incendiary. And, and for you to come and present a, an alternate point of view, neither one of you had your minds changed, but you had the exchange at the event and, and walked away peacefully, which is really to, to everybody's credit. It was great, great that it happened. Yeah, there was, there was one of them that was getting a bit a bit fired up, especially because there was a couple of the more colorful characters of the uh, Pride <laughs> event. You know, they were dressed up in very lavish costumes that would come up and try to have a pictures with the Christians. <laughs> and so he would, he would mutter under his breath, it's an abomination. And I looked at him and said, you know, wearing two different 
fabrics is an abomination too, according to your Bible. Eating lobster is an abomination too. So it's like, yeah, and uh, you can't really pick and choose your abominations here. You either have to live it, or you, or you're a hypocrite. And that kind of took him aback, right? <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I think I think we had a good exchange there with these people, and uh, I even told them, hey, come on in and listen to the show. And who knows, maybe one day we'll have him on the show. You never know. No, I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him oh, come. We, that's we part. Totally that's should. part of why we're here is the open exchange of ideas and. You know, in, in a good relaxing forum and good conversation. So if you're listening, please give us a call and come on. So shall we move on to something else? Absolutely. Ah, well, um, what an incredibly stupid question. <laughs> All right. We had some nice things. Well, nice things. Sorry. I, I should rephrase that. We had a lot of uh, very interesting uh, issues that happened during the week. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, attack on uh, in Paris, the Nice attack. Mm-hmm. Um, another attack on France. This is apparently the third major attack they've had in 18 months. Um, the uh, the culprit apparently a name named Mohamed. I'm gonna I'm gonna screw this up. Lahouge Bouillet, I think he's 31 from Tunisia. Uh, he drove a big truck into the crowd on La Promenade des Anglais, and um, and before being shot by police, uh, there was an estimated 30,000 people. Because it was the La Bastille, like you just said, new day in history there. Um, apparently, ISIS claimed responsibility for this. Um, uh, authority uh, authorities are saying that if, when they take a look at his background, he uh, radicalized rather quickly. Uh, apparently, there was uh, 84 dead, including 10 kids and uh, 303 injured. Apparently, the gentleman also had a couple of guns and grenades in the cab, which he never actually got a chance to use. There's also a report of apparently uh, one of the civilians, while he was uh, driving with the truck there, he kind of got the truck jammed in a spot there, and one of the civilians jumped onto the truck and tried to wrestle the steering away from him. Uh, but uh, it could have been way worse. Um, this is about apparently 15 attacks in France since 2012. And I have a timeline here somewhere. I'll try to find that. Do you think this 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 kind of thing will divide France? Well, I'm not certain. I have uh, been to France, uh, but at the same time, it wasn't because of political reasons. And it goes back a number of years. I didn't notice any any real division at that time. Now I have. A How long ago was that? There. Pardon me. When was that? Uh, many years back. It must be about twenty years ago. Okay. And uh, it didn't appear to me that there was racial tension but then again I was there on a trip predominantly viewing the art and so uh, I wasn't looking for that but at the same time I do have a personal prejudice here I believe that there are people of uh, Islamic background that can be very peaceful and their religion is not uh, to do what this man did also I've heard reports that uh, apparently ISIS would have taken credit for this whether they were involved or not yeah, yeah. so if that is the case I'd say that he might have been somebody who was just incredibly unbalanced I do know that ISIS manages to use the excuse of the religion but I don't know. In this case, they seem to have much less information. And I know it was two or three days. It took two or three days for them to say he was very quickly radicalized. And I'm not entirely certain what that means, if that means 10 minutes, 15 minutes, two weeks. Because 
the initial reports were that they did not have that kind of information on this person. Mm. So I, 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 I think it's horrid, but I'm not at this point going to say that it was something based in religion. That's just my prejudice. Well, so, well and that's pretty fine. I think you and I will disagree there uh, because I do <clears> think... I, and I, I agree with you. The vast, 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 vast majority of Muslims are not people that would be tempted to do something like that. But it is, it, it is in the tenets of the religion to do. It doesn't say drive a truck onto people, but to take care of people that are not of the book or they're not necessarily Muslims. So I think, I think, you know, some people say it's just e- uh, social economic problems. There's probably some point into that too uh, but I think the religion does gives you it gives you the excuse to do something like that oh the people that are the, at the helm of this and as I say in this case we don't even know if he was working on anybody's orders or just because he was unbalanced but the people at the helm they'll use anything and I think what it comes down to and again in my opinion you're looking at people who want power power means as m- many people people who will follow you is at all possible and whatever you can use you use so if you use religion fine uh they'll also perhaps want a sense of community so they'll be part of a group and uh, again i'm not i'm not trying to justify any of this i'm not of trying course. to say any of it is right but i think it's eminently understandable why some people would act a certain way and i also feel that there's very little doubt in my mind why some people would be at the helm of this because once they get a uh, hundred or five hundred or five thousand or I think now the last figures are something like forty five thousand for uh, the ISIS folk. Uh, if there's if there's even ten or twenty or thirty at the helm, well they have huge benefit. They say do this and it's done. Mm-hmm. They I, I don't even know if it's land that they want, if it is money that they want. Uh, I understand money does flow in to their coffers. I'd say though power is quite separate from both money and land, and they certainly have power. If they take if uh, there's been some talk about uh, forces going in and taking out this forty or forty five thousand opposing forces i don 't know I suppose that 's possible, but my guess is it 'll just be like osama bin laden he 'll be the last person taken out so the people at the helm of this i i don 't know if it ever uh, is anything we 're always going to have people who covet covet power oh yeah yeah, and I think in, in many ways the people who are who are encouraged to become radicalized don't realize that they're becoming radicalized to become cannon fodder to uh, promote the power um, um, mentality of the, the people who really want to remain in, in charge. I mean, we, we see this in the Middle East where in Palestine and other countries um, you have the incredibly rich and you have those who are, are forced to remain incredibly poor so that the idea of um, you know uh, blowing themselves up and going to heaven or having better lives for their, their, um, their children or whatever it is, they buy into that because their lives are uh, so desperate that they're looking for anything that either might bring them or th- their ideas to to fruition. But it, it doesn't occur to people who are, you know, vulnerable that 
they're they're the same as a, as a gun or a cannon or a knife. They're they're used for the purpose to destroy, so others can can achieve power. I, I think s- you're right on that. I certainly mm-hmm. agree with you there. In that, uh, that's one thing, at least to the best of my understanding, that they can use as far as a, a supposed tenet of their religion, that if you become a um, <coughs> pardon me a valued uh, suicide, then you are to gain in heaven and. You know, I, I, I can't even comment on that except that's my understanding. However, and it gets slightly off topic, if we take a look at uh, any other any other war that's ever been uh, proposed or carried through in, in any time, what you're looking at is the people at the top who, uh, and I go back to Napoleon, I suppose he, he went out there and he did lead the troops, but that isn't what happens anywhere now. It's you send out the people who are considered disposable, and then if I can fault what was happening here in Canada, you, you justify sending people into the most incredible situations and then when they come back and they're in need of any uh, mental or emotional or physical support uh, we buy them off with pennies and to me that is is horrendous so uh, I know I'm way off topic now but we we do it in our own culture so it certainly isn't something that's unique to Islam. No no I think think you're right and I think that the the whole disposable people thing you say there the disposable soldier I think you're bang on on that Uh, but what, what, what scares me about the whole religious aspect of it is if you if you have a, a person that's <clears throat> grasping for power uh, a tyrant um, you know there are some things you can do and then there are some things that you know if you if if, if you were i don't know um let's see let's see me for example let's say I, I, i'm a really bad guy i end up uh, doing some coup i'm at the, at the head of a country then i start just eliminating people I'm really a, I'm a scumbag as far as the rest of the world is concerned. But if I start using the idea that I'm doing this because my God told me so, I have an excuse all of a sudden. I'm not people almost give me the benefit of a doubt at this point. It's a as soon as you have the religious label there, you're no longer that evil James Bond villain. You're somebody with a cultural difference, and I think that's that's a really really nasty problem that we haven't addressed. Yeah, I think so. I, re- I remember last year our, our listeners may or may not um, have have tuned in when our friend Jim came mm. and explained, you know, how things in the Middle East, you know, developed, how Islam and and uh, ISIS and ISIL. And I think his view, correct me on this, because I, um, I, I've started the sentence and you're going to have to help me finish it. <laughs> but I, my recollection is is that he felt it was entirely at the at the foot of the um, of the Muslim religion, yes, and that it was so systemic that even if you remove certain individuals, it was carrying out the the premise of the uh, of the religion that was that was most important. Yeah, Jim's point of view was essentially yeah. says you can't cure these people; you right, have to eliminate exactly. them. Yeah have to eliminate all of them. Well, then I go back, though, to my own experience when I started looking at these things, when we started being tested about them in school, for example. Um, Did did we need an excuse? And I'm going to say we here, because I'm in a group candidate with the states here. What kind of an excuse did we use to send young men to Vietnam, some of whom I've met since? 
sense and who will never, ever be the same. What excuse even previous to that uh, for the Korean War, what excuse do we use for sending people to Iraq or Afghanistan? It's because we're in the right. And yeah. unfortunately, you don't need religion to say we're in the right. No, of course not. But, you know, if you, if you take, for example, in the 1950s, you know, the Americans were fighting the godless communist, right? And when, you, when you're a person that lives in ISIS, in your mind, you're in the right. Well, you're, you're fighting the of imperial forces of the West. Yeah. You're fighting the infidels that are taking down the Muslims. Uh, yeah. So it's it's always a question of you know the point of view here you know the the the, the jihadist thinks he's absolutely right he's not he's not you know twilling his thumbs going oh, 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 I can't wait to kill somebody else you know he thinks he's actually doing the best for his people well I agree that uh, there may be an aspect to that and maybe that's the difference between say now I'm going back uh, backwards in time when I think of uh, going back to the first world war how uh, you know what's the glory sitting in um, mud seven or eight inches deep with rats running through. Again, it's not that those people there feel that they wanted to be there, but the people that sent them there certainly wanted them there. Or you go into the Second World War, uh, you know, sure, I guess it'd be nice if you... Um, learned how to uh, fly some of these incredible machines, but you weren't always uh, in the air f for long because that was it. it. There is a certain, I don't know if there's an element in, in people generally, I'm not just going to say men here, but people generally that uh, are at all interested in doing that, but I'm going to go back to the people who are sending them out. And I'm not saying that all the people that are under ISIS would be willing to be a suicide bomber. I think they'd be much more interesting, interested pardon me, using the guns that they're able to buy and standing behind those guns. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they've always said. You know, war is about old men sending young men to fight exactly. for property. Exactly. Old men who think they're right because it always comes down to we're either right or we want more power. Yeah. And and usually a, a yes. combination of the two. And I mean, you've got you you've got two kinds of wars. You have the war where people are right and 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 want more power and then you have a, a revolutionary war where people who've been oppressed, you know, want to uh, rise up mm -hmm. and and do away with the with the oppressor or you know the revolution in France and the revolution in the US you know and so. I, I can't help being a bit tense about the whole issue in Paris as well because Paris has had a, a huge influx of uh, Muslim immigrants yes. and you know with what we're seeing lately the whole Brexit thing yes. you know the tensions in France Donald Trump south of the border you know there, there's a mm -hmm. and and uh, the, the 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 attempted coup in Turkey and all that there seems to be a huge movement of xenophobia for lack of a better term that's happening not just around, around here like worldwide and that that to me is scary and i don't ignore the numbers in that even here in canada when i look at the people that i tend to hang out with they're exactly like me i mean whether they're male or female or the same age they're exactly like me. They've had the same backgrounds. They've had the same experiences predominantly. Uh, when I say exactly, you know, I, I use that term. Culturally. Yeah, yes. they come from the same cultural background. So I know several people from different cultural backgrounds, but they would be considered acquaintances. So what we do is we do tend to ghettoize, and I, 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 I really don't fault the people in other areas of the world who are saying, 
there are all these people who are different. I mean, from, from the beginning of time, we've had this concern with the other. Yeah, tribalism. And, it's always been tribalism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, we're quite happy even in large cities, I think, from what it appears. Sure, we'll have everybody, and then we'll uh, enjoy all sorts of interesting foods. We're back on food again because that's good of different cultures. And we'll do that, or we'll enjoy even wearing the dress of different cultures or going in, and watching certain productions that are connected with different cultures. But we seem to be more content if we have our own little area to live and that we have people in their own little area. We've truly ghettoized ourselves, and yet at the same time, I see no out from that. And I don't know. When, as we bring more people in, I don't feel personally afraid, but then I've buffered myself. Yeah, I think, I think the, only, the only the uh, only the only uh, cure to that, for lack of a better term, is simply going to be education. Um, um, I was having this wonderful conversation with my mother one time, and she was she was using the conservative viewpoint of she was feeling like she was becoming a minority in her country, <laughs> you know, which is hilarious because I showed her the statistics. That, you know, Caucasians in Canada are still by far the vast majority, by yes. far. Uh, but I said to her, I said, why would you feel that's a bad thing? What if you did become a minority in Canada? Are you concerned because minorities are not treated properly? <laughs> and, you know, that kind of took her aback there for half a second and hopefully made her think. But it's, it's exactly the sentiment that, you know, if, if you're afraid of becoming a minority, you got to ask yourself, why? Yes. Exactly. You're you're just triggered a, a memory of, of mine in you know, my family. My a point mother, for that. Yeah, my my mother and father raised me to be um, a very thoughtful, uh, considerate, kind person who um, would embrace different religions and different um, ethnic groups uh, as my own. They they gave me a, a wonderful liberal background. Now, let's take that in context. I lived in a middle-class white neighborhood, and the only other people who ever came into this neighborhood were the black maids or the black people who were um, serving in different restaurants and so forth. Nevertheless, I was taught you treat everybody equally, and that's the way society is. And I believed it. It was my mother. It was my father. I, you know, there was no question. Moving forward, I, when I got into college, I happened to have this wonderful friend of mine who was black, although she was an albino black. She was, she was black. And her boyfriend was black. And I just loved them. And we got along. We did a lot of things together. Um, and I said, oh, you got to come home and meet my parents. You know, they've raised me to be so liberal. It'll be just wonderful. And so I told my parents, I'm, I'm coming. You know, we're, we're going to come and visit. And my family froze and became horrified that I was now bringing two black people on public transportation into our neighborhood, walking down the street where they would be visible. And all of a sudden, you know, for them to say, well, are you sh-? I said, well, I've, always, uh, I've already asked them to come. Well, is there any way you can change? And I noticed this discomfort. And for the first time, this division of liberal white versus actual living what mm-hmm. you yeah. came... 
And I never looked at my parents the same. It, it was just a break. And it, I, I can't say I was glad or not glad that it happened, but it certainly made me aware of how some people will grab a flag and go out and march, but not allow the other to use their bathroom. Mm. And it, it just, it, it was a, a lesson that, I, that I, I've never forgotten. Yeah. That's, it's a bit like when you're having this discussion at the table and you realize this is absolutely wrong. The discussion is something very wrong here, but nobody's going to speak because you're not supposed to, the unspoken rule that you're not supposed to create any problems. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. So how it's can we, really. yeah, so how can we integrate the others when even people who espouse the most liberal and compassionate views are, are that way as long as they can maintain their, their, their current standard of living and not be disturbed by actual people, mm. you know, uh, of a different color or culture to come into their homes. Personally, I think the, uh, on the whole Muslim thing, I, th- I, think, I think the whole um, jihadi thing will start dying out. I know the Muslim population as a whole has become a bit more vocal about denying, uh, well, I should say condoning what these people are doing. Uh, but I still think they're still quite timid about it. And it needs to become a major force. You know, the, the vast majority of people of, of uh, Islam faith out there go and say, you know what, no. I don't care what you, I don't care uh, if, if you say you're doing this in the name of Allah. No, this is just not right. And this needs to happen. However, I'm going back to my point there. That's a bit of a problem because the book itself, the source material says you should be doing that. And that, there goes the, there's the conundrum. Right, it's hard for these uh, these Islamists to say, no, you doing what you doing is wrong. When the jihadist turns around and says, hey, look on this page, it says exactly that. I'm going to muddy the waters here because oh, I'm not at oh, all good. <laughs> a uh, student of the Quran, but I have sat in on a few lectures, and um, there's one argument that's taken that when you're reading that those particular verses are directed to exactly what's happening at that point in time in history. Mm. So if that is possibly, and I have no reason to have to justify that. I, I, as you know, I'm a Christian and I, I can't justify. That's not your fault here. <laughs> I can't justify um, much of what I would read in, in the Bible. And I don't think I'm expected to. But certain things I believe in the Quran are talking about precisely what's happening then. And that's at least my understanding from what's come my way. Yeah, and that's, that's a typical apologist that you, you'll, you'll see, right? But the problem is, is in the mind of the jihadists, this is the word of God. It's forever. Right, it's not like there's no context in the mind of the jihadists. You know, it's, it's they're literalist, right? They're mm-hmm. fundamentalist, mm-hmm. right? And when when you when you have a problem with fundamentalist, you really have to look back at the fundamentals of your religion in this case and say, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong here. I and you have to look at the fundamentals in, in terms of how these fundamentals have been interpreted because you can have a, 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 a fundamentalist on the right, you can have a fundamentalist on the left, and they're both absolutely assured that, again, they're in the right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Huh. I, again, uh, oftentimes when it comes to things that are happening, I'd say follow the money. In this case with uh, ISIS, I, I, I would really say follow the power because I wouldn't doubt in my mind at least that the, and what would be 20, 30 people that are heading this up have plenty of money. But it's power and money are two different things. And having that many people that will 
actually go to your bidding, that's a huge piece of power there. And I think that's what they're after. And that's what they're wanting to hold on to. So they don't want to lose the numbers. And, and if you take a look on, t you know, again, whether TV is a good source or not, when you, or it actually comes from the videos that the ISIS would put out, the number of young people, really young people, if I, again, I'm going to take segue slightly here. Um, it was a story I was told, and I've heard it in different ways more than once, but the idea of if you take a look at what happened back in Nazi Germany, it was very almost, uh, what's the word, innocuous to begin with, and they would have these youth groups. And in these youth groups, you were to be uh, just there for, I guess, the socializing. And I think, my gosh, how similar this sounds maybe to the beginning of, of ISIS. Oh, totally. And then there was one young man who apparently was told he was old enough now to become part of the uh, Nazi party. I guess you'd learn how to handle uh, guns and such. And you're getting the story secondhand, but at the same time, I, I, at least I should say, I got the story secondhand, so now we're getting at third hand here but what you're hearing is that apparently a group of the thugs from the nazi party take him outside and break his legs because he needs to be used as an example of someone who is not going to actually i heard it was a leg but to me you know never having broken a bone in my body a leg being broken is bad enough uh he ends up uh, being an example of those who choose not to uh, join and learn how to use the guns so uh, in some of this you've got i i'm taking this looking at ISIS this way, uh, some of these young men, I suppose, start there mm. because they're, what, 14, 15, 16, and that's what they're told is going to be their group of people to, with whom to socialize. And then they get to maybe 16, 17, and they're told that now the next step up is to learn exactly how to use this gun. Yeah, it's a bit like that, uh, that analogy when a dam fails. It's not when it actually breaks down completely. It's when you have that first leak. Mm -hmm. That's when your dam has failed. Exactly. And it starts innocently enough, and then it grows into something bigger. Yes. All right. We have another great story. Um, we have, did you guys hear the, the story about the Canadian tenor? <laughs> yeah, that made a bit of a fuss. Uh, there's a Canadian tenor. His name is Remigio per Pereira. And... Um, he was singing the uh, national, the Canadian national anthem, at the uh, Major League Baseball All Star Game, and during the song, he changed some of the lyrics to say, "We're all brothers and sisters. All lives matter to the great," and that created a big, big fuss. Uh, it was interesting to see uh, that, of course, on the American side, it was all the Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Here on the Canadian side, it was more like, how dare you change the lyrics of the national anthem? <laughs> Which was kind of funny. Uh, so apparently he's been suspended. Um, what do you guys think about this? Well, he made his point. For whatever reason, he? He, he, whether it was principle or whatever it was, he decided, and who knows whether he weighed the risks or whether he thought whatever happened, you know, I'm going to do this. And he didn't tell, my understanding is he didn't tell anybody you know, uh, that he was going to do this. No one knew in advance. He had the little card that he, that he pulled out. Mm -hmm. And he, he took a risk. He did what he felt was right. And he's going to live with the consequences. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting because I know, I know a lot of people when they say, um, especially when you're Caucasian descent, I guess, and you start thinking, well, of course all lives matter. Of course. Of course they do. But that's not the point of Black Lives Matter. It's not the point. The point of it is 
the sy- systemic racism within the institution of the government. Uh, an analogy that was given to me, it's a bit like saying there's two houses. You know, there's a greenhouse and a red house. The red house is on fire. Then the firefighter arrives and starts spraying the greenhouse. And you say, well, what are you doing? The red house is on fire. Oh, yeah, but all, all houses matter. You know, we got to make sure that the flames from the red house don't get onto the greenhouse. All houses matter. Um, th- th- this is the problem that the Black Lives Matter have down there. Yeah, of course all lives matter. Of course. But I think, I think, I think his heart was in the right place to say that all lives matter. I don't think, I don't think he had any uh, racial tendency, but it's, it's a bit of a uh, red herring when you use the all lives matter. I agree there. I don't think he should have done what he did because I believe that Black Lives Matter is is an important movement. And in his case, I believe he was making a political statement. That's my opinion again. And I would say, I realize you've got that little bell. Maybe, have <laughs> you got anything that uh, has a groaner to it? Because I'd almost say, though, in the long run, I really see this as a, a tempest in the tenor. I really don't see it as being an important issue. I wish he wouldn't have done it, but I don't think the time uh, that was spent on radio, on TV, in the media, well, particularly Twitter, and uh, don't get me started on Twitter, but <laughs> it, uh, I think it's, it's, it shouldn't have happened, but I think if we had just let it go, it might have been best. How about a group of people booing? Is that good? Are you sure that was <laughs> <laughs> No, I, 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 think, I think, like like I said, I think his heart was in the right place there, but... Uh, I, I think he, he made a, a choice that he spoke above his pay grade. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I just wonder whether or not he realized that by doing this, he was going to put his career in jeopardy and decided, I'm, I'm going to do it. And that's why I said principle. Yeah. You know, should he have done it? It depends on, you know, what, what, the, what the outcome, you know. Yeah, it was totally was. a courageous yeah. move for him to do something It was a courageous like move, whether it was right or wrong. He did it, and we'll have to see what, what happens, whether he's going to join the, the um, Black Lives Matter, whether he's, what's going to happen to him at this point. I mean, that's totally off the track, but that's where my mind goes. What's going to happen to him now that he's stood for principle? How is he going to put dinner on the table? Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people that, you know, they don't, they don't quite understand this Black Lives, All Lives Matter. And I, I think it's, there are some people that use the moniker All Lives Matter, because they really don't, they want. They really want to shut down the whole Black Lives Matter. Yes, thing. those are those are the the, the racists, yes. the bigots, those people. The vast majority of the population that uses the All Lives Matter acronym is because they just don't understand it. Now, having lived in the South, and and either, even though Texas likes to think of itself as more southwestern, and it is, and it's changed. It's become a, a lot more urbane and a lot more cosmopolitan since the fifties when I moved down there. But having been a part of that and understood, you know, where all of this came from and where there's still some problems. I sympathize 100%. I may not agree 100% with the way they choose to to be activists all of the time, but I do understand that black lives do matter mm-hmm. and that, that that should be something that propels everybody forward. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but I know it doesn't bother me at all that he decided to change the lyrics of the Canadian national anthem to, to send a political message. Some people seem to have their panties in a bunch over that. Frankly, I don't care. I mean, uh, I really wish that we actually modify some of the. 
When was it? Which Olympics was it when the the three Americans were standing and getting their gold medal, and one of them, who was a, a black guy, raised his fist his fist in terms of black power. Oh, that and was fairly that recent. Was wasn't his, it? Yeah, it was. When was it? In the seventies. At any rate, he took a calculated risk, and the, I think there were two two black gentlemen that had um, um, won gold. Both of it was the gold medal, and they both raised their fists. And I think it, I think they both lost their medals because really? of it. Really? But I'm not. Well, we'd have I'm to reach really reaching here, but I remember that to me. I think was the first time I I witnessed people who were prominent take that risk to express something at the moment that they're being presented with uh, with an award mm-hmm. you know for for their um, you know olympic um, um, activities not activity but their their pro- their athletic ability Huh, that's interesting. Was it in the 60s, 70s? Was it the 70s? I, yeah, I thought it was more recent than I that. I am but. so bad with dates. You know, <laughs> That's yeah. not good. You're doing this, like, this day in history. No, I know. <laughs> I just read it. I don't make it up. So I can't. I don't remember dates, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I and I think, you know, um, especially with the Genome Project and with Francis Collins announcing, and I think it was 2011 when he announced, genetically speaking, Racism is stupid. It really is. I mean, there's no such thing. There's no such there's thing. There's no as such race. thing. Science has uh, answered the question. There is no several race. It's a, just a concept that we invented because we're tr- we're tribal in nature. Um, there is only one race, the human race. The other human race is long extinct. And the funny thing is, is genetically speaking, right? All three of us here are Caucasians. Genetically speaking, a percentage of our DNA actually comes from another race, from Neanderthals. But if you're African, especially like African from Africa, right, you're 100% homo sapien. So when somebody says, you know, they have racist, racist undertones towards somebody who's black, it's like, okay, you know what? You're just incredibly ignorant at this point. Because <laughs> in a way, he's actually more human than you. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Um, I want to do a quick, quick turn on the uh, the whole situation in Turkey. Did you guys hear about the... Uh, yes, and I... No, yeah. It didn't country. last long. No, it didn't last long. It was uh, incredibly fast, actually. Uh, apparently, it's a... Uh, this is from the Telegraph in the UK. Apparently, a former Air Force commander uh, by the name of Aiken Ostunk and two generals attempted a military coup in Turkey. Uh, they, they called themselves the Peace Council. And this is very interesting. They tried to overthrow the government because of Erdogan's uh, increasing non-secular and autocratic approach in order to protect human rights. This is what they're saying. So this is kind of interesting because you want to almost root for these people. Except that they say it was, well, no, uh, granted, it was the uh, ruling people who have now said that they want the states to send over the cleric that they're faulting for this. Yes. And, of course, the states uh, will, I guess, talk to them, but the cleric has, is on record now saying he knows nothing about it. Yeah. So they, they, what is going on? The the uh, the president, essentially, the president, uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Erdogan, essentially accused a Muslim cleric to be the force behind all this. And the cleric essentially said I have no idea what you're talking about. Are they of different backgrounds? Is one a Sunni and one a Shiite? I don't know. I don't know. But what was interesting to see is the citizens' the reaction to this. 
themselves, they turn on the rebels really quick, which really quashed the rebellion, right? And now uh, there are, some of them are even asking for the death penalty for some of these uh, some of these rebels. So it's almost like you know we were talking about how we uh, everything is going a bit more xenophobic these days. It seems that this is a, b- a bit of a symptom of that. Apparently, from the the what I read, there was to this point 161 dead and 1,440 people wounded. This. But the numbers are staggering when you look at it's almost 3,000 judges that they've taken into custody and the numbers of the people in the um, the military that they've taken in. It, to have turned it around so quickly with the large numbers that are re- being reported, I personally don't understand. It, it almost... It almost sounds more like something that's orchestrated. It almost sounds yes, something... Yes, it does, doesn't it? it, it, it it's too quick. Uh, there's a, and a there's a perfect opportunity for this, this president, who was elected democratically. Now there was an attempt coup, and uh, it failed. Now he's got a chance to actually, you know, really consolidate his power if he really wanted to. And I hear that uh, one comment that you had read out is that he was leading his country very much to much more of uh, a religious-based regime. And so, uh, again, unless uh, we're talking competition, I guess perhaps it goes back to what I said earlier, that you can use religion as an excuse, but it looks to me that you've got two people who want power, or two factions that want power. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and the army, I I gather, was uh, has always been secular. Yeah, and uh, of course the Americans have also been accused of being behind the uh, attempt attempted coup, I should say. So it's a, it's a developing story. It's going to be very interesting yes. to keep an eye on it. We won't we won't know the whole story for a while. That's no, we'll, for sure. we'll probably never know the entire yeah, story. But it was. It, I was watching, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm you know going to go to bed, and this is going to go on for a while. And all of a no, sudden, it was done. over. It was, it was such a shock. I mean, right. I'm glad. It, I'm glad it was over that quickly, and it didn't drag on, and people, you know, weren't brought into another bloody conflict. We've had enough of that for one yes. week. Let's finish the show on something a bit lighter. Uh, this Let's is do it. <laughs> another brilliant moment brought to you by religion. All right. The weird, wacky world of religion. Did you guys ever hear this very popular game going on right now called Pokemon Go? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know much about it. Well, from what I haven't researched the game, but from what I can tell, what they're doing is they're asking people to go out there with their phones. And you're putting, you're activating the camera, and a Pokemon creature, right? Which actually Pokemon stands for Pocket Monster. That's what it was originally stood for. Uh, are dropped here and there, and you can quote unquote capture these Pokemon creatures. They're, they're like a virtual reality. You can actually see them on you, your. You see them on your phone. On like, your phone. Like right. if I was to take a picture right now in my living room, well, there's probably not a creature here. But anyway, uh, that's what you would see, and then you can capture and yeah. you collect them right that's that's as far as my understanding yeah. goes that, that you somehow you project it's not like a hologram but whatever it is you can actually see these on your and then yeah, you see them on the phone on a certain landmark Something, and they're yeah. doing that and getting people quite angry about that. well yeah <laughs> apparently there was there was a big kerfuffle in uh, central park where there was a rare creature that was dropped in central park and it caused like traffic chaos people trying to get to the creature to capture the creature for their, their collection, I guess. Uh, so it's it's taken the, uh, the, the the gaming world, I guess, by storm. Um, but there's a right-wing Christian pastor that warned on his radio program that a Pokemon Go cell phone games undoubtedly had sinister potents. Rick Wiles, who frequently warns the apocalypse is near, yet again, 
called police last week after <laughs> spotting a middle-aged man apparently taking pictures with his phone outside his True News office. But officers told him the man was playing the reality game Pokemon Go. So that freak wasn't all the way out, and the, and his imagination just ran wild. So the, he quotes, uh, These Pokemon creatures are like virtual cyber demons, he says. What this man Friday was trying to find was the Pokemon demon that had been placed inside the True News office. So, Pokemons are not just pocket monsters that are cute now. They're actually cyber demons. So, Wiles is worried that terrorists could use the information harvested by the app to target Christian. With this technology, is transferred to Islamic jihadists, and Islamic jihadists have an app that shows them where Christians are located geographically. <laughs> so... Oh, well, when, um, you know, when in doubt, turn to demons. Th- exactly. When in doubt, turn to demons, right? You don't know what to do. The enemy, Satan, is targeting churches with virtual digital cyber demons, Wall says. I believe this this thing is a magnet for demonic powers. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when you're oh. in 2016 and a man with a radio show is started talking to you about demonic powers? What do you do? It's hard to say. <laughs> it just leaves you speechless, doesn't it, Richie? Yes. And, and, and you're a Christian. That's, that's the best part of it. I mean, yeah. no. So, um, anyway, good and funny fun. What, what is the, what's the name of the he he died recently? What's the name of the um, the guy who had the television show who is the most outstanding, outrageous uh, televangelist? Uh, Jerry Fowler? No, but but close. I'm trying. Oh, isn't that awful? Well, it's not Pat They're, Robertson. He's still yeah, around. Yeah, Pat Robertson. He's still there. Oh, okay. Pat Robertson. No, they, 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 they thought his mofire remains once I'm, in a while. I'm obviously that. not good with dates, names, events, and whatever. Anyway, Pat <laughs> Robertson was once asked um, by one of his viewers, I have a son and he's got a terrible um, uh, stomach pains and he just developed the pains when I was praying to Jesus and what do you think I should do and Pat Robertson said oh well it's obviously demons coming back from someplace in your family of course, so have some kind of an exorcism instead of saying how about calling the doctor for the, <laughs> the stomach pains no he went immediately to demons so I guess that's a favorite well, fallback I, I have noodles that got stuck to the bottom of my pants I think demons I'm, demons I'm going to call Pat Robertson and say, how do I get rid of that stuck <laughs> cannoli down there? It's demons for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, just, it just makes it tough for all the enlightened Christians, you know, to have to it think, do I, defend him? do I defend him because he means well or he's a crackpot just pretending well. <laughs> to be a good Christian? No, but it, it's, it's up, just like we were talking about, you know, uh, Muslims need to stand up to jihadists. Christians need to stand yes, up to people like Pat exactly. Robertson and say, you know what, shut up, Pat. And take a look, money and power again. Yeah. yeah That's I what he's got. Time for my rant. I know most of us go throughout everyday life with our usual routine without giving much thought about the future. Chances are tomorrow morning you and I will go wondering about work and if we forgot to get milk. However, in this era of instant global news and Twitter feed, it's easy to fall for the line that the world is going to a metaphorical hell in a handbasket. If you fall into that camp, let me reassure you. Now this week we spoke about really troubling events, whether Paris, Istanbul, or the obvious racism of our southern neighbors, it's quite natural to feel overwhelmed at the bad news, and also exasperated at our another brilliant moment brought to you by religion bit. 
After all, we seem to have these crazy kooky stories about Bronze Age belief in the 21st century every week. Quite honestly, we could do an entire podcast with just those stories every week. Add to that the seriously disturbing international stories, and I wouldn't blame you if you felt like hitchhiking a ride on the first alien spaceship out of here. Personally, I always felt that Earth was the Alabama of the universe, and that's why there's been no contact. Don't even stop there for fuel, Zark. These humans are nuts and completely obsessed with anal probing. I suppose you want to probe me. Well, might as well get it over with. Stop. We have reached the limits of what rectal probing can teach us. Here's the part where you realize that being a skeptic is almost life-saving. Simply as a student of history, you would quickly realize that a hundred years ago, you never would have heard of the Turkey Rebellion. Might have heard about Paris, and life as usual is in the U.S. Technology, especially in the media, has shrunk the planet. Reality is that we've always had these horrendous events in our history. How many Europeans do you think heard about the burning of the Library of Alexandria? How many Indians heard about the fall of Rome? And if you read the very good book from Steve Pinker, Better Angels of Our Nature, stats show that we are living at a more peaceful, less crime era in our history. So don't let these events and stories bring you down. These are the good old days. The reason why a show like this still exposes these stories is to remind you that although we've come a long way, we still have a long road ahead of us. And only by exposing these stories and taking them, talking about them can we start the process of surpassing these problems. So start up a conversation. Talk it out. You might be surprised who you can convince or who will change your mind. In the meantime, I'm going to work on a sign for our alien friends. I'm thinking something like, new and improved humans. Yeah, that might catch your attention. And that takes us to the end of our show. Had a great show this week. Make, makes life tough for all the good people. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, ladies. That Thank was a you. great show. Thank you for, so much for coming. Coming up next week, we'll have finally that interview with Michael Shermer that I've been promising for quite a while now. That should be fun. I'm not going to believe it till I hear it. You've been promising. <laughs> 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 this is like the carrot at the That's end right, of the stick. That's right. just been dangling oh, yeah, the for a while. Michael Shermer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. I will also have Eli Bosnick of God Awful Movies and the Scathing Atheist. I can't wait for that. Very, very funny man. And it's not going to be rated PG. I can guarantee that. You can follow us on leftatthevalley.com. You can send us an email leftatvalley@outlook.com. Follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. Get a hold of us. Tell us how much we suck or how much you love us. Doesn't matter. Thank you so much, ladies. Come yeah. back, Regina. Please. Yes, please. Whenever you want to come back. Many though. times. Sure, it's fun. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> History denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather seek the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last dollar. I'll be working hard fighting this problem. Religion is a disease, it comes from culture. Only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. Are you the same?
say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is. Or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful That thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them Respect them Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, pun intended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known. A non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist, atheist.